0: Josh here. This is the NOYC Godcast, a production of the Northern Ohio Youth Camp. Through various means including a week of summer camp, youth conferences, sporting events, Christian content, and now a new podcast, the NOYC strives to give Christians a reason to continue on in Christ. Today will be a very special edition of the NOYC Godcast as we air a segment from our video devotion series, Shattered, which premiered at the NOIC back in 2019. We pray that Shattered will truly challenge and invigorate your soul as you continue on for Christ. For more information regarding the ministry as well as additional Christian content, please visit our website at www.thenoic.com. Anyone who knows me well knows that I am an avid coffee lover. In full transparency, that's probably a bit of an understatement. Sometimes I think that I need coffee more than I actually need air. I know, I have a problem. So you can imagine, it's not much of a surprise that for years I have collected coffee cups. It probably started when a well-meaning family member wasn't exactly sure what to get me for a gift, and so the coffee cups seemed like an obvious choice. Soon, this one or two coffee cups turned into a small collection of coffee cups. Then it filled a cabinet in the kitchen, then two cabinets. Eventually I had so many coffee cups that they were everywhere. They were in boxes and storage. They were in several cabinets, on the counter as decorations, and eventually I just gave in to the craze that was my coffee cup collection. Upon going on a trip or vacation, a lot of people would pick up a t-shirt or a keychain to remember it by. I got, you guessed it, a coffee cup. I had coffee cups in every shape, size, color from many states and countries around the world. Now you may have noticed that I said had these coffee cups. That's right, past tense. You see, one day, that was just like any other day, we were going through life as usual and my wife and I decided that ice cream was a necessity to unwind for the evening. We got the tub of our favorite flavor, grabbed a couple of spoons from the drawer, We opened the cabinet door to get a bowl, to place the ice cream in, place the bowl on the counter, and then we shut the cabinet door. And then it happened. Now, I have never been present when a literal bomb has went off, but let me tell you what came next is about the closest thing that I can relate to. The door of the cabinet shut, and when it did, it somehow wiggled the pin loose that held the shelves of coffee cups. And as that pin came out, A literal ceramic avalanche of coffee cups came pouring, overflowing, onto the shelves below, onto the counter, onto the floor. The earth-shattering sounds of hundreds, maybe even thousands of glass coffee cups shattering into tiny minuscule pieces upon the floor was a noise that I will never forget. In just seconds, what had taken me years to collect, what I was so proud of, my beloved coffee cup collection, lied shattered all around me. In fact, these coffee cups were more than shattered, they were almost dismantled to dust. We found pieces of broken glass for months, maybe even years to come in our house. There were pieces in every room. Even in rooms that were closed off on the opposite end of the house, there were tiny shards of glass that once made my coffee cup collection. Needless to say, we didn't eat the ice cream after that. It took us a few minutes of making sure each other was okay and bandaging up a few bloody cuts, and then we just stood there in shock, in disbelief of what had just happened. What had started as a normal evening with a craving for ice cream quickly became a Shocking, shaking, shattering moment in our lives. Now the broken pieces filled our home. They could never be put back together. We could never go back to that moment before it all broke. Shattered. Honestly, there's no good use of the word. It's not like when you say the word shattered in a sentence that you have to clarify if you mean the good use or the bad use of the word. When you say shattered instantly, Anyone listening knows this isn't going to be pretty. Now the dictionary defines shattered as to break suddenly and violently into many pieces to damage or to destroy. Now I would love to sit here and tell you that coffee cups are the only things that shatter in our lives but the truth is that would be a lie. In fact if you were to look around right now at every person sitting in this entire room chances are 100%, not 27, not 43, 50, or 75, but 100% of the people that are sitting in this room right now have experienced, are experiencing, or will experience a life shattering at some point. 100%, how's that for statistics? Unfortunately, this is just a part of life that comes with the territory of being human. So if we're all going to experience being shattered at some point and it's just a part of life, then how do we shatter correctly? How do we make sense of the shattering and how do we survive being shattered? So typically the obvious go-to person for hardships and trials in the Bible is the story of Job. And for good reason. Unfortunately, we've become so used to the cliches within Job's story that it loses its effect and application in our lives. We usually hear how Job went through these tragedies and trusted God and God received glory and in the end, Job endured and received more than he had before. And so we should too. And I'm not saying that any of these things aren't true, but there's much more for us to comprehend about this story so that like Job, we can survive being shattered. So Job's shattered story starts out giving us a bit of an insight into who exactly Job was. So according to God, Job was a perfect and upright man that feared God and hated evil. Now that's how God described Job, not how Job or his family or even his wife described him, but these are the words and the adjectives that God chooses to explain Job, a perfect man. Beyond this explanation, the Bible tells us that Job had a lot of stuff. He had quite a collection, if you will. He was wealthy. He had a lot of family and possessions and servants and lands. And so this perfect man is going along, living his life for God. He's worshiping, he's sacrificing, and he's living a godly life by all intents and purposes. That is, until that day. Now, some of you are getting ahead of me, no doubt, but... Can you take a second just to appreciate that there came a day in Job's life, a day that literally started like every other day before. Job woke up, maybe he made some ye olde coffee, looked out the window and thanked God for his goodness and his blessings. Job possibly went to the breakfast table and had a bite to eat. He read the ancient newspaper, and at this exact moment in time, in Job's story, he no doubt was satisfied with his life. At that exact moment, he was happy and joy-filled, and felt as if his life could not get any better. That is, until Job hears a bone-chilling knock at the door. On this normal, typical, average day, Job's life would take a sharp, severe twist that no one could have expected. Imagine Job rising from the breakfast table. He walks to the front door, and upon answering, he sees his servant standing there. Now the servant's out of breath, and he's panting from obvious urgency that he just ran to Job's house. The servant frantically tells Job of how the Sabians had attacked and stolen Job's livestock. And then they murdered Job's servants in cold blood. Now, at that moment, no doubt Job was concerned. This average day just took a bit of a dark twist. But at that exact time, no doubt Job easily could have recovered from this terrible news that the servant had just delivered. Yet, as the servant started stating his story, out of the corner of his eye, Job looks Job sees another one of his servants in the distance, desperately approaching. Just imagine as the servant nears Job, Job notices the concern that's on the servant's face and a knot begins to form in the pit of Job's stomach. Right in the middle of the conversation between Job and his first servant, the second scared servant interrupts, now gasping for air. He begins to tell how out of nowhere, fire started falling from the sky. Just imagine as he says, Master, Master, it, it was, there, there, were, there was fire. It started falling from heaven out of nowhere. We tried to herd the flock, but Master, we, I, I, I couldn't. In, in an instant, the flock, Master, the sheep, the servants, they, they're all gone, Master. They're burnt to a crisp. Now, Job's standing there on his front porch as the second servant scrambles for his final words in disbelief. Job can't believe what he's hearing. He's sick to his stomach and gravely concerned at the loss that he just suffered. But still, even then, Job could have thought to himself, It's okay. You're fine. You can replace them. It's going to be okay. That is until Job sees another familiar face approaching from another direction. You can just hear the first servant sobbing, the second servant stuttering, and you can hear as Job takes a big gulp as the third servant quickly arrives. Wasting no time, the third servant starts saying his speech, through tears you can hear him say Master, Master, it's it's the camels, master. Out of nowhere the Shaldeans raided the reservation and they made off with your camels. We, we I, I, I tried to stop them, Master, but they slain all the other servants and the camels. Oh the servants and Master, Master, they're they're all gone. In only a few short minutes from Job's mundane morning, Job has lost nearly all of his livestock, his livelihood, his hired help. But even then, as a man who trusted God and surely was hurting, still Job could have surveyed the situation and in the back of his mind, Job could have easily thought, still, it's going to be okay. That is, until one more time, Job notices another servant approaching. Now, I have to believe that of all the servants that hastily approached the home that day, this servant brought the most concern of all. This was the servant that tended to Job's family. As the third servant was still speaking, it was as if everything went silent in Job's mind. His eyes glaze over and everything around him begins to move in slow motion. Job's eyes are locked in immensely attentive on the fourth servant running his way. You can just picture the tears welling up in Job's eyes as the servant nears. And you can hear the words running through Job's mind. No, Lord, please. Oh, please, please, God, please take anything. Anything you want, just please, God, not what I think you're about to take from me. In the next split second, Job's life would forever be changed. The sobbing servant begins to speak. Master, master, I am so sorry. Oh, master, I'm so sorry. The wind, there was a wind, a great wind from the wilderness, and it wiped out the walls of the home that your children were in. Oh, master, master, I am so sorry. Master, they've perished. Your children and the other servants, they're, master, they're gone. In this short span of seconds the pin that held all the things that Job had collected the shelf that stored all the job cared about let loose and in seconds everything Job had lied shattered and his life as he knew it from that moment would never be the same this mediocre morning would soon become a moment in time that Job would never forget in fact Without a doubt, this goes down as the world's worst day anyone has ever had. It was probably a Monday, no doubt. Now, we all know, as good little church boys and girls, what comes next in Job's story. Job falls to the ground in a very broken state, and he worships. Job has a righteous response to all that had just happened. Job adamantly admits that he came into this world with nothing and sure enough he's gonna leave the same way empty-handed honestly there are a lot of us who could be transparent right now and just admit that if we had been in Job's shoes and had endured all that he had just gone through the chances of us reacting the same way are slim to none but even more for those of us who feel that we are super Christians Do we not at times think that if we instinctively trust God and worship him, even when things are bad, maybe we'll change God's mind? However, that was not the case for Job. This worship that we see and hear of Job doing right after the shattering starts is the most genuine and pure kind of worship that exists. It wasn't based on Job's blessings. It wasn't based on Job's belongings. This worship was solely based on the fact that Job believed that God was good. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It was bad. It was really, really bad for Job. But unfortunately, things were only about to get worse. Soon enough, in just a few short verses, we read of Job's shattered story starting again. We read that this time, Job's very own body is struck with sores from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Now his heart is hurting, his body is broken, and Job was as low as a man can get, destroyed and shattered in every way imaginable. Now, through Job's shattered story, he never did curse or blame God in any way. The Bible's very clear about that. But let me tell you a little secret. Job was miserable. Many people want to tell us that when life gets tough, just grin and bear it, get through it, and there will be a brighter day. But when our life starts to shatter, it's bad. It's really bad, and it hurts. We are in pain and agony, and to be honest, we don't know if we're going to make it. Job was so stricken that he desires to die. He bewails his birth. Job was depressed and downright distraught, even as a godly, upright, and perfect man. There are some of you who have been there. You have endured trials and pain that most people will never know. And instead of hearing good news, you continue to hear the haunting words that we read in the book of Job that say, then came another, then came another, then came another there are those of you who have known so much grief and heartache that you have honestly just wanted to die you were depressed and destroyed inside each day you endure is more painful than the last and you just hurt so much you feel like you can't even breathe can i let you in on a little secret this is what the substance of shattering looks like like job If we had a minor mishap in our lives, we could easily overcome the obstacles in our own faith. We could think to ourselves, that that hurts, but it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. But when you get to the place of brokenness that Job knew, it wasn't a minor fraction or a small break that Job could pick up the pieces in his own might and put back together. Instead, Job's life was completely, utterly, and in every way broken and shattered to a point that he was hopeless. Job could look at his life lying shattered on the ground and see no end, no hope, no relief in sight, just pain. What's very interesting is the request and the reaction we read through the rest of Job's shattering story. Many people would expect that Job, in sorrow and agony, maybe would pray that his health would be returned, or pray that his wealth would be restored, or or pray that somehow his family would be resurrected, but throughout the entire story of Job, we never once see him request these things. Sure, we see him mourn. Sure, we see him in despair and depression, But, but even through the pain, Job desires one single thing, or should I say he's seeking someone, and that's God. Now, for those of you wearing your daily halos, this may seem obvious, but amuse me for a moment. The ironic part of the story that we skipped past was the -the behind-the-scenes action that was taking place the whole time. You see, there are a couple more characters in the cast that is the shattering story of Job. If you can just picture for a moment that Job's life is a Broadway production, minus the goofy costumes and the cheap musical numbers. And in scene one, we see Job rising in the morning. We see him eating his breakfast. We recall the act where the doorbell rings and Servant One arrives. And yet, while these scenes are actively taking place on the stage that is Job's life, if you were to peel back the curtain backdrop, you would notice there are two main characters that are Pulling the strings and making the movements that take place in Job's life Two cast members who behind the curtains have concealed control of everything that's going on now first Satan approaches God and Out of his sly and sneaky ways Satan admits that he's been searching the whole world over for someone that he can mess with from Satan We would expect nothing less But the surprising factor that honestly we didn't see coming is who it is that places Job on center stage. It was God. Job's beloved maker, who he trusted and worshipped and feared and reverenced, God. He's the one who suggests Job to Satan. Literally, God offers up Job on a silver platter as a shattering student to Satan. The scenes and the acts on stage continue as one after the other after the other of the servants take stage left. They Tell their shattering story of Job's life. Each scene allowed, directed, and even suggested by God himself. In fact, the second servant even tells us that it was God that sent the fire from heaven, which consumed the servants and the sheep. This same God that Job served praised, and trusted in. He was the one who allowed and even played a role in shattering Job's life. Now, the fact that Job is in front of the curtain and on the stage of his life is totally oblivious to the hands that are pulling the strings behind the scenes. That's a factor that only we have the advantage of knowing. Yet Job would be wise to recognize that God played a part in the destruction because He states in chapter 2 that if we are willing to receive the blessings of God, we've got to accept the calamity of God as well. Eventually, Job catches on to the fact that the deity he has been devoted to is the destructive hand responsible for Job's demise. Job says in chapter 13, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Honestly, it's not easy, but at least it's comprehensible to trust God when we're facing a trial and we believe Satan's the one attacking us. When, when we think that all of the tragedies and the heartache that are around us are from the hands of our enemy. We believe God will get us through it and we'll be victorious over this valley. But you want to know what's hard? And even downright impossible is knowing in your mind that it was God himself It was God, the one you love, the one you trust, the one that you have placed your hope and confidence in. His hands are the ones causing your pain. His hands are the ones destroying you and shattering your story. Having this realization and yet still even then with this always in your mind, still trusting him and still praising him. Though he may slay me, though he may hurt me, he may cause me agony, he may break my life into a million pieces, but even then, I will trust him. Even then, I will love him. Even then, I will serve him. Are we serving God for his stuff, or are we serving him for what he has done for us, for who he is? Without a doubt, this is a question that Job had to ask himself. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a pretty hard pill to swallow. We have a God here who provides pain. He suggests struggles. He hands over hurt, who still, through the worst pain that a person can receive, expects that we serve him. And then there's the why. Why would God do this? Why would God allow this? Why would God even suggest this? Most of the time, we're just we're unable to understand. God, I am hurting right now. I have lost, God, I have lost literally everything. My job, God, it's gone. My finances have faltered. My health is failing. I've lost my home. My grades are slipping. My marriage is a wreck. God, I have lost the one I love. I've lost my family. God, the pain is so real. The hurt is so heavy. God, at times, I can't even breathe, it hurts so bad. I have more questions than answers, God. There are days I don't even care if I'm alive. In fact, God, I would honestly rather just die than live another day of this life. God, I feel like you've abandoned me. You've hung me out to dry. I feel like I'm I'm just a pawn in this scheme that I never asked for. God, why are you doing this to me? God, why? God, God, God. And in that moment, as if we're the actor on center stage who's at a loss for the next word of their line, we gently hear God whisper from behind the curtain, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In that moment, with the bright spotlight shining down on our shattered story, the realization hits us. This brokenness, this hurt, the pain, the deep despair. He shattered our story so that we had a need for one thing and one thing only in this life. He broke us so that we would only need him. In our shattered story, he supplied our solution, himself. Now we fast forward to the end of Job's shattered story and find that God finally in chapter 36 speaks to Job's suffering. And after all the questions and the searching and the begging that Job does through his entire story, the only single answer that we find God providing is himself. God spends the next four chapters continually claiming that he is the only thing that Job needs. He is the only solution to Job's problems. He is the only answer to Job's questions. He literally, by every definition of the word, God is everything that Job needed. At the end of Job's story, I I just have to believe that if God had given Job the option of the collection of things that he cherished, that he'd obtained throughout his life, or having God himself, it would have been a no brainer for Job. It was in the weakness of being broken, the weakness of having his life completely and utterly shattered that God provided his grace, his unmerited assistance to Job. Through the shattering, Job no doubt began to cherish the sufferings for in deep despair and the sorrow he'd endured, Job found God in a new light, in a new strength that he had never and would never have been able to find had he not first, been shattered. We, we collect a lot of stuff in this life, our possessions, our wealth, our health, our family, and don't get me wrong, these things are good and they are glorious blessings from God. But they sit on the shelf and we, we call this our life and we're proud of them and we cherish each of them, and yet God knows that each and every one of these things cannot eternally satisfy Every one of these collectibles will one day pass away. And when they do, we will be left with nothing. God knows that while we may think that we are strong now, the truth is we first have to be made weak to know true strength. He looks down at our lives and he realizes that even though it's going to hurt, even though it will be painful, what we really need is to be broken. So God sets out on a perfect plan to shatter our story, breaking and at times literally ridding our lives of everything we hold dear. And in doing so, he ensures that we are left with everything we need. We are made weak in order that we could find him as our strength. Sure, we may seek answers from God. We, we may beg or even plead that he gives reasons for our sufferings, yet As we hear the ear-piercing sound of our lives falling and shattering on the floor, like he said to Job, we hear God say, I am everything that you need. There was a tour bus that was journeying through the countryside of Israel with a group of anticipating tourists. Upon traveling, the bus and the tour guide noticed a shepherd carrying a lamb in his arms, while the rest of the flock were scattered behind. The bus slowed down as the tour guide motioned for the shepherd to come near, and the tourists were thrilled with this unique opportunity to take pictures of this authentic shepherd with this beautiful lamb. However, one little boy allowed for his curiosity to take over as he loudly yelled from the bus to the shepherd, why are you carrying the little lamb in your arms? Can't he walk for himself? The shepherd smiled at the little boy and said, oh, you don't understand. This little lamb had very little need for me as a shepherd. That is, until I broke its leg. Now this may seem cruel, but this truly was for his own good because I am the only defense that he has. And now, unlike the rest of the flock, this little lamb gets to be closer to me than any other. He is now fully dependent on me do you want life stuff or do you want the strength of the savior that can only come by surviving shattering? again we encourage you to head over to our website or the description of this video we do have a link there with some memorable moments from the NOIC also encourage you to share today's podcast so that others can be encouraged and invigorated as well and so thanks so much for joining us today until next time continue on in Christ